0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou. Joining me on the podcast this week is a very, very special guest, partner, and analyst with True Hoop, a longtime ESPN contributor, and of course, uh, training the pros since 2003. We're talking about uh, Coach David Thorpe. Coach, how are you doing?
2: Fantastic, William. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. And you know, one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you on was because, as I mentioned before the show, um, you had Scotty Barnes, number two, on your board heading into this draft. And you have a really, really fresh perspective on Scotty. So let's just start there. Obviously, the Raptors drafted Scotty fourth overall. He's actually It's actually his birthday today. He's, you know, happy birthday, Scotty. He's turning 20. Um, take us through your connection with Scotty and, um, you know, how did you get to... I mean, basically, how did you get such a unique perspective on Scotty?
2: I mean, I don't know him. We've never met because of COVID this year. I was never able to go up to Florida State. But, I uh, mean, my son's on the team. So, um, <laughs> that really helps. Yeah. I, I had heard of him. I think I watched him play in a big tournament when he was maybe a sophomore at university school. And they won a big tournament. And I didn't really pay much attention. It was a high school game. And then... I can talk about some of this stuff now, now that he's gone, because I really try to protect my son's um, experiences in college. He's allowed to have them unique uh, and separate from me and the the media world that I'm in. But now that Scottie's a pro, I'll talk about it more. So when we took our visit to Florida State in March, right before the famous Rudy Gobert Oklahoma City game where everything got shut down, we were able to go to practice. Florida State was preparing to play uh Boston College to win the, the Atlanta Coast Conference regular season. Uh, which is, I don't think Florida State ever done that before. So my wife and I and my son went to practice. This team had Trent Forrest and Devin Fussell and, and uh, Patrick Williams, two guys that to the lottery plus Forrest played for the Jazz that's true. Very, very good team. And we spent a lot of time with the coaching staff on the court before practice started and during practice because they were trying to you know, they wanted my son to go to, to be a, a part of the team. So those coaches started telling him and me about their next year's team. They kind of assumed Pat Williams would leave. They kind of assumed Devin Vassell would leave, and they were fine with that. Why wouldn't you leave your lottery pick? And they were. I'm like, how are you guys going to be? And they said, we got a kid coming, Scotty Barnes. And their faces just lit up. And I remember Coach Hamilton telling me, he's got a lot of Magic Johnson, Scotty Pippen in him, which I completely ignored. <laughs> yeah. because who, who, who is that guy, right? That part, I didn't really care that he said, although he's got, he's wrong in, in some degree, to some degree, but he said, you're going to almost think he's fake when you see how charismatic he is, but he's not. He's the real deal. And and so I, I very quickly want to fast forward till yet, uh, Friday. My son's back home. Uh, he just got home Thursday night. Uh, he's here for two weeks. I barely seen him in a year because of the pandemic. His school is only five hours away, but I don't want to. I don't want to ruin their season's chances, their team's chances of getting getting them COVID. So, uh, I have some pros in the gym, and they asked about Scotty Barnes, and my son said to them, "He's one of the best human beings I've ever met." So when they talked, when Coach Hamilton said what he said about you, almost think he's it's not real. He's so charismatic, and then hearing my son say what he said, which of course I've heard from him a lot over the year. Uh, it's everything that he that these guys have said is true um watching well first of all in practices william my son told me he's their best player every day dominating practice this was a top 20 team all year dominating practice but more importantly the most energetic guy on the court like he told me and i told the story i think to chad Ford when i did his podcast the very first time my son said practice went not great And I said, what happened? He said, well, Scotty tweaked his ankle a tiny bit. They just sat him out for precautionary reasons. And we realized then, oh, he's providing all the energy for us. And so they got better learning how to get more, to get louder and more into it because they had no choice when Scotty wasn't practicing. When he was, it took them to another level. And I greatly value that aspect, especially in a league where the games all run together and the days run together, having someone bring that kind of spirit, I'm telling you now, you'll see he's the real deal with that. He hes he is ebullient. He is joyful. Whereas Giannis, <clears throat> Giannis is super competitive and sometimes channels it inward. Scott is super competitive and channels it outward and wants to win, doesn't know yet how to assert himself the way Giannis does. I think that's coming. This is why I ranked him number two right now. He thinks about us only. He doesn't think about me nearly enough. He's got to think about, he's got to think about me more than we because he's that kind of talented player. But for a kid who wasn't 20 yet, pretty mature to to just uh, sublimate himself for the good of the team. That's pretty rare. And I saw that all year watching their games.
1: Right. And, and of course, you know, obviously with your son on the team, you're going to watch every single second of Florida State. Never miss a second. <laughs> um, so can you take us through like what his role was in Florida State?
2: Yeah. Started the year as a starting point guard. I think they promised him that. That's my guess. They didn't say that. Uh, but he was good at it. And he guarded the other team's point guard. But they switched every screen. Okay. So they call themselves Big Dog University. And Devin six is five. You know, Trent Forrest is six four and big. Terrence Mann who played great for the Clippers was there a couple years ago, 6'4 and super long. They're a big guard at the university, and that allows them to switch every screen. Their bigs are mobile, their guards are big. So he guards everybody in defense. His role was to facilitate, get them in, get them going in transition. Uh, Florida State, I think, led the league in three-point shooting. So his he, he was not the reason for that. But his passing enabled that. He gets guys wide open. He sees the court. Six foot eight, six foot nine, maybe in shoes. Super long guy, seven three wingspan. So he can make kind of every pass. Very good hit head passer. Uh, very good zone buster as a passer. Uh, had some outstanding dunks in transition, but in the half court, he didn't really assert himself. He made plays for others, and this is where I think everyone keeps talking William about. He's got to learn to shoot the ball. It'd be great if he learned to shoot the ball. I wrote an article recently in Troop about how what Giannis and the Bucs did is a blueprint for teams that have people like Ben Simmons and Giannis and Scotty Barnes. I wrote this. Because those guys don't have to shoot and can dominate games offensively in the half court if you play the way Milwaukee played in the postseason, which is a lot of pick and rolls with these with those kinds of players. They can be primary ball handlers, they can be screen and rollers, they can be cutters, they can post up smaller guys. I think Scotty has got some Kawhi Leonard in his game. He he gets to the middle of the floor. I call it the second box. And he gets a really good extension on his jumper. And guards can't mess with it. So if you're playing against teams that switch, he can take advantage of big guys who are too slow because he dribbles it well, especially for a guy who couldn't really work extra on his game all year because of COVID. Mm. Every school had major restrictions to getting extra work in. Didn't get any extra shots up beyond what they did in practice. Once they're gone, they're gone for the day typically because they didn't want kids back in the gym. Uh, they would clean the facility back to Remember, for much of the season, there was still a thought that COVID was more surface-based. Right. So they, they would finish practice and then the cleaners would come in. You couldn't go back in. So he's going to be able to live in the gym now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think it's going to make a difference to his his handle but also his mid-range game because he can get that just like Hawaii can over anybody. Now, if he can't make it to the same degree – well, his ceiling drops, but I don't know that he can't. His touch around the basket is amazing. He has a game when he shot again, this year against Indiana early in the season. Right, right. Maybe it's a game-tying shot that forced overtime. Uh, and I, I thought he was lucky to make it. It looked kind of weird. And I, I talked to my son. He said, he, Dad, "Daddy he makes that shot all the time. Like, he just has great touch around the rim. That matters when you're that big and can play the guard. Mm-hmm. He will bully ball a lot of guards. So – his role was facilitator. He, he got a little hurt. Again, just a minor injury early in the season. They, he missed a practice, so they brought him off the bench in the game. And from what I'm told, and I don't remember who told me this, because I have a lot of people at the, on the team that I talk to, he told the coaches, bring me off the bench. I'm fine with that. I don't care. Even though he was starting. And he, wow. he was their second-best player, in my opinion. The, th- the best player was drafted number 59, Raekwon Gray. That's my opinion. For this season, he was – He was the best player on their team, I thought. Scotty was their second best player. In part because Scotty said, I'll come off the bench. I thought it was a mistake by the team. But I understand what they're doing. And it worked out just fine. It was drafted number four. Mm -hmm. The the, the Seminoles have had three straight six men of the year awards. Uh, In the ACC, all three were drafted in the first round. Two went top five because Pat Williams was six men also. So he gets it. He doesn't care about who's starting. He finishes games, right? He finished games. Uh, And defensively, he's a monster. Like he really guards 94 feet, pressures the ball, helps helps in passing lanes, helps off the weak side, loves to defend, takes pride in that. And I think he did that all season.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's great. I think, especially if you watch, um, you know, a lot of these draft videos where they prepare basically, you know, highlight packs and things like that. The thing that pops, especially, is the defense. There, are, it's sometimes when he's locked into a guy one on one, or someone tries to take him one on one, especially at the college level, I almost fear for the the guy with the ball <laughs> because he just moves so fast, and the wingspan is it's to the point where um, he just smothers guys. And I think maybe, um, you know, when you you know, when you're talking about a really good defender or a guy who is going to be a really good defender one day, he's probably got to be a little bit of an asshole. And I feel like he has it in him. Like, you know, he'll he'll pick small guards up and he'll clap in their face like 80 feet from his own basket and really get into people's faces. But I think that's not the concern for a lot of fans with Scotty. I think the concern is more the, the offense. And, you know, I thought something that you said was very interesting, which was, you know, the development of the three. Everyone talks about development of the three. Obviously, this is the modern NBA. But you would almost say that, maybe the mid-range game is more of a developmental priority than the three. Can you take me through sort of uh, the thinking behind that and sort of why?
2: Yeah. Well, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. So right. in our gym, for example, well, with my pros, most of them can shoot at least from 15 feet. Uh, but I've also been working with younger players as my son aged. And I was a high school coach, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, is You can't make three-pointers so three you make 15-footers, 12-footers. Like, the form is more or less the same, just to at least a, a, a large degree. Uh, the three point shot, you the lower your release point, you get in the paint, you kind of get it higher up because there's bigger guys there, but it's a lot of generally the same. So I think that for him to be an effective half court player, if you've got four shooters around you, which in many cases Toronto can do that,
1: mm-hmm.
2: well, then he doesn't have to be the fifth three point shooter. It'd be great if he could be. Uh, and my understanding is he's shooting a much better. I'm talking to some people in the league now, not with Florida State. At workouts, he was impressive. Of course, it's not hard to be impressive based on what we saw this season. But he, he, nonetheless, he had made some progress. And I don't think we're sealing. I don't think he's a Ben Simmons type. He's so charismatic mm-hmm. that I don't think he'll get into his head the way Simmons has with his right. lack of shooting and free throw shooting. I don't think Scotty is worried about getting fouled. Giannis definitely isn't. I think he's more that way. So for him to be effective, he's got to be a, when team switch, he needs to be able to bully those little guys and go around the bigger guys and get fouled. And I think he can do that. I think he will do that. And as he gets more success, seeing the ball go in, it makes some sense. It'll translate to his three. Again, it's all kind of the same form. I think you'll see it. I think you'll see progress in, in those areas combined collectively. I don't think it'll just be one and then the other, the bigger thing is not, just making the shot its the mindset mm-hmm. of, and I think you're exactly right. I am. I think it's a very insightful point as, as charismatic as Scotty is. And I mean, like he's going to be one of the biggest person Toronto drafted the biggest personality in the league in this okay. draft.
1: Okay, good. Yeah.
2: Now I, I, I don't know Jalen green. I watched him the G league and did not see that personality. I've seen more of it since then, but mm-hmm. the biggest personality in this draft is Scotty Barnes. I love Kate Cunningham and I love his, his charm and his maturity. Right. Uh, But in terms of personality, scotty has got the biggest personality. He's the loudest guy. If you saw a tape in the Chicago pre-draft camp, like he, he, people were talking about this. In fact, I've talked to a lot of agents about this. He was watching the games and animated as if he was a coach, especially watching his teammate Raekwon Gray. That's who he is. Like he's going to be loud. He's going to be, and he's got, you know, we talk about being the asshole a little bit. I don't love this, but to your point, there were some transition plays where as Scotty's pushing down the court, he turns his head and eyeballs the defender, doesn't even look at the rim, and then ducks on him. Like, I don't love that. I just go dunk the ball, please. I don't need the other stuff. Uh-huh, yeah. And especially given that he's such this positive, charismatic guy, but he's got that "fuck you" kind of mentality. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I cuss?
1: Yeah, oh, go ahead. No, of course.
2: Yeah, he's got that "fuck you, motherfucker." I'm dunking on you. Yeah, that, yeah, that's in there. That's definitely in there. So, oh, he's going to take a lot of pride in being an all defensive team guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so the challenge will be for him to develop the the more selfish assertive mentality that superstars have to have uh, when he's so built on we. That's a tough balance. In fact, Drew Holiday's never figured that balance out. Drew Holiday has never gotten comfortable. Being the scorer and not the quarterback, in my opinion, mm. Chris Paul. Same thing for his whole career. A little bit more always wanting to be the quarterback to, to spread the wealth than score twenty five a game for himself. That may be where Scotty ultimately hits a ceiling. Is he just can't get into that dominating MVP caliber? Oh, I'm going to score forty tonight because you guys can't guard me, and and you might just be stuck with a six nine quarter. Quarterback that still scores 18 points a game like Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. but does the other things, lockdown defender. That might be a ceiling, is what what you get from Ben without the head case issues. I think that Ben, I think right now has something. I mean, didn't Ben Simmons make th- third team All NBA yeah. last year? Yeah, yeah. So that to me is, I think that's not really his floor, but he could because he could be worse than that. But I think it's likely. Where his floor is going to be is a guy that's competing for NBA honors because he does everything mm-hmm. except for score twenty five a game, which we, you kind of need to have. Like, yeah, he he he's got a chance to be a, a better overall player than Draymond Green when Draymond was in his prime, right. and they're and they're very similar. So that's why I think he was a no brainer number two pick, and Toronto's lucky to get him at number four.
1: No, uh, I think. You would have an especially good answer about this um, because you do so much of developing guys and things like that. If you were Nick Nurse and his coaching staff, and you're looking at this, you know, I guess now 20 year old kid who's coming into your gym and you want to approach and sort of mold and sort of uh, shape his development path, I guess, progress. What are the, I, I guess, sort of like what kind of role are you putting him in first and sort of what, what, what kind of points of emphasis are you trying to start with first in terms of the the, the first building blocks that you would like to add to, to what Scotty well, already
2: So the more, so first of all, he really knows how to play, not for himself, as I've said, but as a team. Mm-hmm. Like Jalen Green does it. I don't think you can't. It's not fair to guard to to judge Jalen Green to some degree because he played in the G League. Yeah,
1: sure. I,
2: they, and, and they just didn't run anything. So I have no idea if he really knows how to play or not. It's not fair, for you said. It didn't look like it, but it might just be because he was stuck on this team of no one that really knew what they were doing, and I don't think they were very well coached either. Number one, always what we call predator wings, which Barnes very much has a chance to be a predator wing, like Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron. You can name all the guys. Is always ball handling. Okay, it's what it's what's kept Andrew Wiggins early in his career from ascending to where he should have probably gone. Is he just couldn't go where he wanted to go all the time with the ball in his hands. Mm -hmm. He couldn't. So Scotty is better than Wiggins at this age, but not where he needs to be. So I would, I would start with emphasizing primary ball handling responsibilities, both in ball screen actions as well as in isolation. When he gets one-on-one against a bigger guy. Um, that would be number one, is just really get better at beating your man off the dribble one-on-one situation over screens. And then number two would be finishing at the rim, which I think he's pretty good at, but off of attacks, off the dribble. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then schematically, screen, screen and roll, hard cuts when to post you know when to find your offensive balance in terms of role knowing that you're not the primary guy i mean they got freddie you've got siakam so there's your probably two biggest threats right there assuming i think we all know kyle's gone um, and so i and then shooting is just part of that right yeah uh, when to take it so you've got to be able to make what i call second box jumpers which is the paint jumpers from 8 to 15 feet in the paint uh, and threes. When do I when do I go hunt them? When do I take them? And uh, when can I shoot them? Meaning, if my second guy comes to help early, I gotta pass the ball unless there's less than three on the clock. You know, get them to understand those things, and then have them play aggressively, play assertively. Tell him your job is not to just be like they're not gonna win a championship this year for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, minus a big deal. So so lose some games with Scotty going. 7 of 20 from the field. Getting him to take 20 shots would be amazing. Right. 6 for 19, you know, 6 for 21. But attack, as long as they're good shots. Do that now, and maybe, you know, by the, by the, spri- by the spring of 2023, which mm. isn't that far from now, he starts coming into his own, like Bam Adebayo did, right, right. for Miami. And we saw Aiden do it in year three with those other court pieces in place and wherever else they might add. And now you're talking about an all-star level of talent, but you're not going to get there without trying and failing. You've got to be able to fail. It's a big part of development is I, in my book, I have a book called basketball is jazz. There's a chapter called embrace the suckiness, which is something I've done with players, but also with my children. It's okay to suck at something. It's okay to be bad at something. It's not okay to attach emotion to those failures. Mm-hmm. We just got to work through it, work through it, work through it. Next play, next play, next drill, next drill, next, drill, next game, next game. And so Scott has got to be prepared for failure. He's never had failure before. He's won everywhere. He is not going to win a ton of games this year. If he does, great. But it's unlikely to think that. And he won't be the biggest reason why as a rookie. Mm
0: -hmm. Rookies
2: tend not to be so good as rookies, right? So uh, you've got to let that play out. But you can't be afraid to make plays for fear of failure, knowing that the mistakes you make now will actually feed your brain and get you playing better later.
1: So I'm thinking about it in terms of both balancing development and also trying to win games. I think maybe in terms of the Raptors starting five, again, we don't know what the roster is going to look like after free agency, maybe some trades, stuff like that. But it seems more likely to me, especially with OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, both sort of playing that 3-4 position. Barnes comes off the bench. But if he comes off the bench, there might be even more opportunity there developmentally to give him the ball and let him handle and let him initiate a couple of plays. There's not a great bench playmaker right now for the Raptors maybe Malachi Flynn I think he's probably the second best guy option there but I think that that does that make sense to you sort of running yeah. him off the bench and letting yes. him initiate
2: for sure I, I don't think he'll care and um I would I would add that uh, I, I would hope Masai adds some athletes to the second unit I like Flynn very much mm-hmm. was very active going into the draft um because Scotty can be like Giannis in transition Okay. He can rebound well. He didn't rebound great this year. It's different. They front the post and they switch okay. everything. So right. very often he was he ended up guarding smaller guys out on the perimeter. So I, I think he can really lead a lot of breaks. And again, that's that's that assertive mentality. When Giannis is coming down the court like a freight train, he wants to dunk on you. Yeah. Gotti's having to give it up to a guy ahead of him, which is fine as long as the guy's gonna be open for a dunk. But if he's not he should keep it himself and make a play and force defenses to converge and then make the pass. So I would hope they add some real racers to that second unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he'll play with the first unit guys too. And obviously, Toronto. I mean, you guys are always right there in fast break leaders for the league. So exactly, yeah. I think that I think that's one reason why they drafted him is right. is transitions a big deal for them.
1: Um, I want to circle back and talk about the shot as well. You've obviously worked with a lot of players specifically on their shot. You know, the, you know, uh, obviously you know the mechanics and things like that that go into these things. Um, well, I guess I actually wanted to ask you two things, but first off, like it's what Scotty shot in particular, do you see it as something that's sort of um, there's something broken? There's like an obvious sort of yeah. deficiency, or do you see it as sort of he's developing and that he just needs more reps, but more or less he's on the right path.
2: Oh no, it was broken. I thought this season. Okay. Uh, again, I mean, these are guys that really teach shooting very, very well. There's a reason why Florida state led the ACC in three point shooting and it's not like all their guys were good shooters when they were first recruited. They do a great job at this year. They were just so limited to what they could do. Mm-hmm. So the guys that were veterans had been there for years, shot a great, the young guys, not so much. Um, I, I've seen video of him since then. It looks smoother. His problem is the worst problem to have. He's super long, long fingers, long hand, long arm, long body hard to get all that coordinated where it's the same shot every time okay a lot of reps are needed understanding of how to shoot the ball is needed footwork is important i don't think he knew how to do any of it so uh uh, guys like ben simmons never have never figured it out there's plenty of long guys that have plenty Mm -hmm. of long guys that have uh so he needs to just rep it out it's just a matter of understanding exactly what your best shot looks like and then fighting like crazy to to do that exact shot like a machine would every single time, and then you start looking at how do you get open. What's what's a good shot look like? What's mm. your best footwork kind on of a good shot? There are some players, right-handed players, that like hopping a two feet first. Most players like stepping left foot first. Some players like to pivot foot down before they even start no step at all. Some guys have to get better also going right and then shooting it, which is right foot first, which is kind of weird for right-handed players, but some guys are great at it. Mm. You got to figure all that stuff out. He's not ready for any of that yet. He's got to start with basic footwork and then the same mechanic every single time. And I'm sure they're doing it now. My understanding is incredibly hard worker. I think that the Raptors uh, player development coaches will find him to be as interested in learning and working as any player they've ever had. That's, that's what I think will be the case.
1: Um, and I think this, at least in the second part of the question, which is like, why why does it seem like guys with bigger hands like struggle to maybe shoot the ball? Is this sort of what you're talking about before in terms of just like that fluid transfer and, and sort of trying to get that same approach every single time you're sort of controlling more parts? Is that why guys with bigger hands sometimes struggle to shoot the ball? Cuz I've always been curious about this. Do you play tennis? I don't play tennis.
2: Have you ever held a tennis ball? Yes. Try shooting a tennis ball into a small rim.
1: Okay. Okay. Smart. Yeah. There's
2: a lot of surface area there's a lot of things that get in the way. Right, so right. you've really got to work on where some players want to just keep it off their palm, which we always want. There's mm-hmm. no control there, uh, but they can have it on this part of their fingers because I have pretty big hands for a six foot guy, uh, but you want it on your finger pads, not your fingertips, your finger pads. Okay. And so you got to arch your hand more because otherwise it's all these fingers are involved. Right. And these two fingers are the, are the 90 plus percent of the shot. Nothing in the pinky, the thumb Does get involved, it shouldn't, it should be flat. Mm -hmm. And I I don't remember. I think Scotty's thumb is is paralyzed, we call it. So I think he's okay with that. But it's better getting these two fingers in the dead center of the rim, having the ball coming off the very tips of those fingers, not to the sides, but off the tips uh, over the top. And it's just the more flesh there, the more bad things can happen. So it it's it it can with work, you can fix it. I've had lots of gigantic men that can shoot the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, many of them couldn't when I first got them. I've had really fat fingered guys that have had long, thin fingers. Uh, it, just, it just, you got to rep it out. But also, you getting your arm in the one motion, lifting your elbow the right way. I never care about where your elbow is. Some people don't like it out. I don't care. It's just about elevating it, getting a good follow through, trying to get a good backspin, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll end up seeing, I just tweeted this yesterday um, the top seven shooters in the NBA, the final 42 games of the season. Of the guys that took four or more threes, so I would call those the volume shooters. One a quarter, yeah. Uh, RJ Barrett was number seven.
1: Okay, interesting.
2: He was not a shooter coming out of Duke.
1: No, definitely now not. he's
2: not as long. I don't think he's Scotty, but it's close. He's about as tall. They're about the same size. Maybe Scotty's got by an inch, inch and a half. Uh, it can happen. It does happen all the time. He just got to mm-hmm. work, and I not think he's afraid to work. I'm sure he's not afraid to work.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's always interesting talking about sort of like two shooting coaches in particular because, and you know, Nick Nurse himself has had some experience in this front as well. Um, and just to hear the mechanics of sort of what goes into the shot, what you look for, things like, you know, what your thumb is doing and, and all this other stuff. First thing I'll see, first thing I'll
2: see is what your offhand's doing because a lot of time that thumb is turning and then what your shooting hand is doing. Turn, right. because they shoot as kids and so they need all the extra power they can get. Right, okay. So you, so your right hand does all the work with your right hand, the left hand. Just holds the ball in place, and uh, where your eyes are. A lot of players track the ball. We like them to stay focused on the target, right? Mm-hmm. Where you look at the rim. Again, we spend hours with footwork over the period of time. Hours with footwork. It's a big deal. Uh, so he's got a he's got a lot of work ahead of him, but I'm sure he'll do it.
1: Yeah, and and the Raptors have had some success in this front. I think Pascal yeah. improved yeah. a lot as a shooter. I mean, it, you know, it, it. I think he maybe regressed a little bit last year, lost a little bit of confidence overall. Uh, but OG is another guy who came in. I mean, could only really hit standstill, flat-footed. If he's waiting in the corner for ten seconds of that possession, just waiting for the kickout, and the ball came to him, he can make that shot. But as other than that, as a rookie, he couldn't really make anything else. Well, and you guys didn't trade train Kyle Lowry.
2: By the time you got him, he was an accomplished player. Right. And right. I can tell you that he used to do his summers at IMG Training Academy as a college student, and uh, and then. The year, the year, the summer after he got drafted, they had, IMG fired their play development guy and asked me to bring my program to them. I live like an hour and 20 minutes away. So I brought all my pros down there okay. to train. So day one, they hadn't got the new shipment of balls in yet. So they had last year's, last season's NBA balls and all the balls were chipped up. So I said to the, my assistant, my top assistant, Mike, what is wrong with all your basketballs? What is going on? He said, "We had Kyle Lowry here all that summer. <laughs> he just can't hit the side of the backboard. That's a true story. Oh. <laughs> we know how good of a shooter Kyle became, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, he's obviously much smaller and shorter hands, but sure, smaller right. hands. But I mean, it's not. I think ball handling is the easiest thing to improve. I think shooting isn't as easy, but it's absolutely doable. The mm-hmm. hardest thing, I think, is to teach guys really how to play. Right. Their own instincts get in the way. Their own greed gets in the way." jealousy rears its head. These are a lot of things that go into understanding how to play jazz. And that's why I call my book basketball jazz. So Scotty is the best in this draft at that, in my opinion, at knowing how to play just the way he fits in with players. I don't care what offense you run. He'll know what to do instinctively. It's just, he'll get better at it, but he'll just know where to be, what to do. He's been playing with high level players a long time. Two of his teammates got drafted the other night. Three of his teammates drafted in the first round from high school. His senior year.
1: Yeah. Three. Yeah. So
2: he's used to playing with NBA players anyway, right? Um, I think that part of the, you know, which is the hardest, I mean, teach. I think he'll he'll have that hands down.
1: Right. Uh, now, I, I think moving more generally in the draft, the Raptors, so they had three picks. They had the, the fourth pick, they had the 46th pick, the 47th pick. Uh, and I, it was a bit of an interesting pattern because they came out of it with three guys, not of the same profile, but, you know, I think. I think Scotty's very unique. It's you're not going to pick a guy at 46 that has the same profile as the guy at number four. But uh, Scotty, uh, Delano Bant- uh, Banton, and and David Johnson, these are all three big guards with with plus wingspans, plus four, plus five, plus six wingspans in some cases. Um, I, I mean, it, it seems like this is sort of the strategy the Raptors are sort of shifting themselves into. Not that specifically these two second rounders are going to change how they're going to play. But I think the overall philosophy here is they just want to get bigger and, and get more playmakers. I, I think, I mean, it, do you feel like this is sort of a stylistic shift that's happening across the league where they're, essentially you're trying to get um, like you know, five, six foot eight, six foot nine guys who can all handle, all dribble a little bit, all defend, switch? Is, is that just sort of just the strategy that, that maybe the Raptors are specifically going in, but also the rest of the league is also moving towards?
2: Well, it's not the rest of the league because the Sacramento Kings in the last four years have drafted De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and now Davion Mitchell, right? Right. So let's be clear, it's not the whole league. Okay.
1: Okay. It's good that Uh, we're not moving the Sacramento way, I think. That's probably a good (laughs) sign.
2: I think it's going to be tall versus tall. I think, yeah, I I think it's simplistic to say that. Right. It very well could be also that those players were ranked highest on the board in terms of who's most likely to make an impact on our team, right? A goal of every GM, I think, would be we want all of our players to be playing at a level above what we're paying them. Okay. So if you can get a guy in the second round paying the minimum, but they're able to play at a 3 or $4 million value, great, right? Mm-hmm. You want your best player, you're playing them 30, but you want them worth 60, yeah. right? That kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, I think that uh, the Bucs bully the Suns. Right, Bryn Forbes ended up not playing. Jeff Teague barely played. Drew Holiday is a point guard who thinks he's a power forward. They bullied Phoenix once once they figured out how to guard Phoenix from three. Game two, Milwaukee outplayed Phoenix, but Phoenix shot 20 40 from three. Yeah, the final three games that series, Phoenix took 23, 19, and 25 threes. That's it, not 40. Yep, it took in the pivotal game five they took 19 May 13 and still lost <laughs> yeah. because Milwaukee was just bigger and longer and guarded them better and forced them to you know, score inside more so yeah as, as, that's why I ranked Evan Mobley number one in the draft to me is 7 foot guy with seven four wingspan super long fast athletic agile nimble can guard everywhere protect the rim contest the three and all of that uh, There's there's value to that so I think the Raptors probably, with Nick Nurse's help too, have understood that if we can get a bunch of guys that can really guard yeah. and really race, and we can we can make sure we have our shooting and scoring talent with those role players that can really defend and race and transition, that that's a hell of an army kind of feel to field the team with.
1: Right, for sure, and I, I do think that like the one thing that maybe the Raptors are missing, which I don't think they were able to address with the fourth pick in terms of who was available to them, was sort of getting that one half court hub who can, especially if the rest of the guys are more rangy winger guys who, you know, maybe don't create as much uh, or maybe as effectively in a half court setting, maybe having that one really, really creative piece. Maybe I'm thinking about like, you know, James Harden in Houston, the way he had so many big wings around him and a smaller front court as well. Um, they don't have that kind of central hub, but I also don't think that any of the guys available at four was going to be that guy, which is probably why some Raptor fans are disappointed in at least a, in a little bit because they see that weakness as well with their offense. But um, I, I think Scotty makes a lot of sense here for them. I, I also really want to ask you about Masai uh, because you have a really unique history of Masai. So just please take me through that. I mean, because uh, I think most people who have, in basketball circles know this about you guys, but take the listeners through how did you meet Masai and sort of the history there between you guys.
2: I was training a Nigerian player named Illumide Oyedeji for the draft. And he ended up drafting early second, drafted early second round by the, by the Sonics. So this dates, this tells you how long of it was. And uh, so I went to Boston to watch him. I had a couple of clients playing in the summer league in Boston. Okay. And back then Boston had the best summer league, Shaw's summer league. So uh, I was watching Illumide play. And after the game, I went down to the court, said a couple of words to me, went back with his team. And a guy with a kind of a kid and play haircut came down and talked to me, introduced himself as Masai Ujiri. Oh, man. And <laughs> he is, uh, he, he's been with the national team in, in Nigeria, And they're so excited about Illumide. And that he's like, just thank you for what you've done for him, Illumidate. He He pointed up to the crowd. There were three other guys up there, all top row, all waved to me. He said, you know, we're all Nigerian and uh, Illumina has been hanging out with him Mm -hmm. uh, here in Boston. And he's really said great things about what you've done for him as a player and a person, whatever. So thank you. I thought that was very sweet. I gave my business card. Never thought about it again. Uh, I don't remember if it was the next year or two years later. I could do the math because I know I know when I was at Summer League and I know when he reached out to me again uh, saying I'm retiring. I need a job. Uh, What what can I do? I need help. I basically need some guidance as to what's next for me. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, very soon here, I'm going to Atlanta for the final four. And uh, if you come, uh, I will take you around and meet people, college coaches. And let's see if we can't get any of them to bring you on in some capacity. Right. So the very, so, um, uh, he, he didn't have a cell phone, at least not in America. Um, so we, we coordinated a time to meet. I never exactly. He, at this point now his hair is shaved down. (laughs) He wasn't bald yet, but it was close cropped. Okay. And he's told that big, I actually have forgotten what he looked like. It had been a year or two, Uh um, Big smile, right away remembered. I have a lot of people come say hello to me. I can't remember them all. Um, big smile, I remembered right away. And I took him to dinner that night, just he and I with Leonard Hamilton, Stan Jones, and some other coaches from Florida State and a few other schools. Uh, and because um, I knew Coach Hamilton was very interested in recruiting African players. Mm-hmm. And had, six, in fact, you drafted Solomon Alabi, who was oh that's nice. He brought Solomon to me after okay. playing at Florida State with Simon. In fact, I worked with Masai when he was in high school. So uh, that first weekend, uh, I gave Masai my cell phone a good amount. And I think by the end of the weekend, he knew more people than I did. He just, he just <laughs> uh, We would meet up once a day, catch up on things, and he would just, just give me everyone he'd met. For weeks, I was getting phone calls from very famous people to include... Uh, Gino Irenema, uh, whatever his name is from, from Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. The women's coach. He had called me looking for Massai. I'm like, sir, this is a cell phone. It's <laughs> not a business. It's just me. <laughs> but I can get a message to side if you want it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so that's really how it started. And then he started recommending Nigerian players train with me. He and Illuminate mm-hmm. recommended. So I started training Nigerian players that were mostly going to be European bound. Playing overseas, or had already been playing here. We're bros. Right, right. I had some great, great players, Um, and he would Masai would come down here. In fact, I think the first summer he came, I had Udantas Haslam here. Uh, Kevin Martin was a college student because I mm-hmm. trained Kevin starting his freshman year of college. After his freshman year, they so ended up being you know, a long time NBA players, you know. Right. And Masai was here, and we would spend the summers like I remember watching World Cup games with them and soccer and everything <laughs> for Nigeria. And uh, one of my players, uh, Ugo uh, Udezwe, uh Ugo, Insan, Ugo Amado and Son, his name was Ugo and San will from Wyoming. He worked out for the magic and which is two hours away, not even in a car. Mm. So I did not want to drive him to work out and sit outside. I had all the play. I had a bunch of players here. So I asked beside he would drive Ugo to the workout. Yeah. And he did not meet anyone that first day, but they wanted to go come back a second day. So I said, Hey, if you get a chance, Doc Rivers is there. John Gabriel is the GM fight like crazy. Get inside the arena and talk to these guys mm. and just let them know, you know, you're pretty well. You want to scout for a team. He came back the second day. He said he, he was invited inside. He spent the whole time with doc and John Gabriel. And basically he and I came up with a pamphlet. We called it Size sphere of influence. And okay. it was the way they could hire him for no money. Uh-huh. They weren't going to pay him. Or if they did, it was very, very little. But they were going to let him scout Europe for them mm-hmm. at really no cost to them. They, get, they basically got him for free for a year. And, and then Messiah ended up meeting every scout you could ask for. He knew everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's how he first got the job with the Nuggets, which I believe, if I remember correctly, his first real scouting job where they paid him and covered all his expenses was with Denver. Uh, I think he met Tommy Shepard and I think Tommy took him under his wing and uh, yeah, the rest is history.
1: No, that's a, that's a, such an inspirational story. I mean, you could clearly tell how hard of a worker he is and, and how much his personality gets in places. So that's awesome. And, and so you guys have obviously stayed in, in close touch and stuff like that because I've heard him speak about you as well. So, you know, I've always wanted to ask about this connection and uh, I mean, that scouting lifestyle is not easy. I, I believe, um, I was reading somewhere that his first year, he was like unpaid, you know, the, the year with the nuggets. I mean, he was, or not the nuggets, the, the magic. He was sleeping across Europe on friends' couches stuff like yeah. that. Like it, it was like, I mean, we, that was the plan. Like, this is the plan. That we was created. the plan. Wow.
2: Here's all the countries that he has a friend in that he can stay at. He can scout these players, these teams, these games, uh-huh. and it won't cost you anything because he'll just stay at a friend's place and travel in Europe is That's very you know, cheap on the train. Yeah. That was, that was exactly what we did. And uh, scouting is rough. Yeah. Uh, my son is hopeful to one day be an executive in the NBA. And I, I, I'm lucky enough to have mentored or friends with lots of guys in the league at this point. I've been doing this for a long time. But uh, I've never asked Masai for a damn thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, I didn't even go see him once. He, he was in Tampa. He, I was going to say. He stayed 25 minutes away from where I am right now in my office next to my house. <laughs> but I didn't want to bring COVID into their group. Sure, I, yeah, I, of course. I just wanted to say – I I want to protect myself, too, um, because I take care of my parents a little bit, my mother-in-law. And um, so I didn't see him one time, but I'm going to ask him, wherever he is, which I would love for it to be Toronto, like, hey, give my son that first chance. Uh But what I really hope he does is explain to him how scouting is very, very hard. Like, it is not – the end goal for most people it's the beginning mm-hmm. and then move on i want my son to have a wife and a family like Masai does and have a place to, to live scouts are on the road all the time the full-time scouts i don't i don't want that for him long term he has to make his own choices but um messiah i'm sure will walk him through what life was like for him back in right. the day
1: so it's like a scared straight situation you're really just exactly. gonna, you're really gonna tell him <laughs> exactly right. you better know people in uh, in slovenia
2: <laughs> yeah right exactly
1: right yeah no, that's that, that's awesome. Honestly, I, I think that's uh, I mean, I guess on behalf of Raptor fans, we should just say thank you, because, you know, maybe without you giving him the start, you know, Messiah doesn't turn out. I to, think there's uh, you're welcome. I think
2: there's a lot of us who had a tiny, tiny role. His talent, <laughs> his work ethic, his charm, yeah. all those kind of things were the most important thing. I think he's put great people around him. And I, as much as I like Dwayne Casey and friends with Dwayne, mm. uh, bringing Nick and I thought was super smart for that program. Right. I think he's, he's going to be there 20 years. He's amazing. Um, and, uh, and so Masai gets credit for that. Um, but, yeah, there's a bunch of us that had a tiny, tiny role. And uh, ultimately, we just kind of cleared the way for his talent to get through.
1: There you go. All right, Coach. Um, unless you got a picture of Masai and this kid in play haircut, uh, we we have to let you go. I, mean, I, would, I would have
2: had I would there been cell phones it. with cameras
1: back then. There weren't. Um, I guarantee oh you he
2: God. has some. I guarantee yeah. you, Masai. Ask him. I guarantee you, he has some.
1: I'm just picturing Masai right now in a high top, man. This is that's unbelievable. He had so, a high top. Yep, yeah, yeah, he did. That's, that's 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 really cool. All right, Coach. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it uh, for your insight on Masai, for your insight on Scotty, and um, yeah, we would love to have you on again. But you know, uh, would like to say thank you. And is there anything you would like to lead listeners on? I, I know you mentioned your book, which is fantastic. I know you mentioned. Um, I, I mean, I've been following you on True Hoop for quite a while. I was actually part of the True Hoop network like way back in the day. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think True Hoop did so much for the, the the blogging game, especially for amateur, because it's hard to really get connected. You know, just like it's hard to break into the NBA, it's really hard to break into like a media industry, right? Um, especially if you don't know anybody. So I think True Hoop gave a lot of people opportunities and you're seeing that all across the league. I mean, I um, I mean, it, I mean, Henry obviously is a great example, but, but it's, Henry has put – so many people on, and um, yeah. But anyway, I would like to say, like, what would you like to to plug? Or yeah, maybe just
2: maybe? I would tell anyone if if Troop is not for the casual fan who uh doesn't like to read, mm. okay? Although like it's like, like a
1: thirty minute read. Sometimes yeah, yeah. it
2: depends. My my stuff is less than three thousand words, and it's almost always on court stuff. Like right now, right before. I got on with you. I was working on my piece regarding Team USA. Mm-hmm. I look back at this last week and i look forward and it's on court stuff. So if you like the Exo part of the game with some uh, Ted week kind of stuff, because I kind of coach very optimistically. Right. Um, I am trying to, I'm, you know, I'm trying to show the value of culture and all that. That's my role. Henry Abbott's role is, uh, is more off the court, Gerard Hector, more off the court. But NBA related, Henry does some really amazing and investigative stuff. Yeah, we have our podcast twice a week, typically Mondays and Fridays. Called Bring It In. Uh, I I think it's very entertaining. If you like good storytelling, it yeah. is something we really pride ourselves on. Uh, Henry's a brilliant guy and, and an amazing editor. We have a great editing team, and so yeah, if you're the Raptors are going to be good going forward. Like I like what they're I, drafting. Scotty alone is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an amazing coach. They've got some amazing talent. I think. Your next five years can be really, really fun. So if you like the NBA, in addition to the stuff you're doing and other people, give Troop a try. I think we're worth it as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well worth the money, well worth the subscription. And um, yeah, Coach, thanks so much for your time. And uh, best of luck with everything. Same to you. Be safe.